Why do kids play sports? Is it to go pro or earn a scholarship? Or are they looking for extraordinary experiences that they can build on for the rest of their lives? I'm Coach Dave Vasileros, and this is the Dad Bod Soccer Podcast, where we will explore life lessons and universal truths taught by youth sports. I want to help the next generation of parents and coaches keep youth sports about the kids. And I am so glad that you're joining me. And welcome back to the Dad Bod Soccer Podcast. My next episode is called Doing Good is Low-Hanging Fruit. It's a great quote. Well, a little while ago, I came across a gentleman named Byron Ames on LinkedIn. And the headline under his profile was special counsel for a law firm slash high school soccer coach. I'm like, okay, as a recovering attorney myself and a youth soccer coach, I'm like, this guy I needed to talk to. Of course, I hit him up out of the blue on LinkedIn and he was kind enough to respond. And we, we talked on the phone about a month ago and he's unfolding this incredible story of his little tiny farming community in Utah and how soccer and we'll say more broadly youth sports, but soccer specifically is changing it and giving kids opportunities. Well, he'll talk about it more, but one of the first things that he said was, and I wrote it down, it's such a good, he said, doing good is low hanging fruit if that's your goal. So that was it. He had me at hello. We had to get him on the podcast. So Byron Ames, welcome. Hey, thank you. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. Yeah. You remember that quote? Is that a quote you use a lot? I do remember it. And actually I have used it a lot. And, and it's not just in the context of youth sports, but in doing good in a community in general, I find there, are, there's so many things that can be done if you just reach down and pick it up. And now, you know, there are a lot of people and institutions and habits and culture that gets in the way of making it sometimes as easy as just picking it up. But literally the good that can be done is that easy if you just reach down and pick it up. In our first conversation, by the way, he also called me a, a swear word name, which I remember. And there was a really good reason for that. We're going to come back to that later because I didn't even mind it. He could cuss at me again for, if it's for that same reason. Uh, he's a private practice attorney. He had his own practice for a long time and then recently merged with another firm out of Park City, Utah. And he's a former mayor and city councilman and vice chair of the planning commission in Francis, Utah. And, and Byron's going to have lots of time to talk about Francis, Utah. On the other side of his life, he's also been a varsity boys soccer coach, club coach, soccer referee, and most importantly, dad and husband. And, and so Byron, first of all, I'm so glad you're with us and you have a story that I think everybody needs to hear. I want to ask you a question. I ask everybody the same question. Has there been a coach who's impacted your life? And if so, how? Actually. Thinking you might ask that question, I, I have given that some thought and I actually have two coaches, we'll put them in the kind of the general coach category that had a profound and continue to have a profound influence on my life. And they are approximately 40 years apart. And interestingly, none of the coaches that had a profound influence on me were soccer coaches. When I was a little kid, I grew up in Japan and in addition to playing soccer, I took kendo classes, which is oh, basically you learn how to yeah. fight, sword fight with these flexible bamboo mm -hmm. swords. Mm -hmm. And my kendo teacher, the sensei, had a profound influence on me because while we would go out in these groups and, and, and do these little drills and little fights and things, 
the thing that he repeatedly said to me that here I am 45 years after that, thinking about it still was always talking about discipline. And by discipline, I don't just mm -hmm. mean you stand at attention and you stare at the instructor mm -hmm. and you listen, but that you think about your moves deliberately, the way you put on your uniform, be deliberate, the way you hold your hands on the kendo stick, the way you rotate your wrist, all of it being deliberate because there's a purpose. There's only so much energy in 24 hours in a day. Are my moves deliberate? Am I doing things that have an intentional purpose that can mm. better the outcome? The other coach that's had a profound impact on me is one that I still interact with now as an adult, and that's a cycling coach. I do a lot of long distance endurance cycling. Mm -hmm. um, he has taught me and still teaches me that no matter who you are as a person, no matter what age you are, no matter what skill you have, or in my case, don't have, we can work with that. We can make you, whatever you mm. or me, whatever I am, we can make that better. I will never be an Olympic athlete. That's clear. <laughs> but I can be the best I can be if, going back to that first coach, I'm disciplined. And I think about the things that will actually make me better. So I, I think about those two things all the time, those different, those two coaches and how I can use what they taught me to influence the kids that I'm a coach for at the high school now. Yesterday I had lunch with a really good friend. And one of the things we were talking about is, well, along these lines, I asked him this question. I said, if you were to send out a text to your immediate family members, your, your two kids, your wife, whatever, and say, Hey guys, what sayings do I always use that you would put on my tombstone? And he said, right off the bat, he goes, yeah, one is life's not fair. And two is make today awesome. Make today awesome. Not hope today is awesome, but make today awesome. And as you were talking about that experience with your kendo instructor, to be deliberate, to simply say, I own my day. I own my movements, my choices, my reactions to things that I can't control. I own them. And I think that's kind of what he was getting at there with that concept of discipline to say, each time, each time you grip it, think I want to grip this in the right way, in, in the proper way that's going to give me success when I want to swing it. There's that kind of ownership mentality. Your second coach, again, as I'm thinking about talking to my own kids, I'm going to steal things that you were telling me, by the way, and use them with my kids. This idea that the battle is always against yourself. You look at that and say, the only battle that I have is over my own will, my own fears, right? My own preparation. What a lesson to take into your practice of law, your work as a parent, your work in the community. If your focus is, I have an ongoing battle with myself, right? With my weaker self or whatever you want to call it. And that's what I want to succeed at every day. There's literally nothing that you can't do. There's nothing that you can't do. One of the most interesting times of a game for me, and I think the other coaches that I work with is halftime, because often, though not always, but often we're losing at halftime. Mm. Sometimes we're on the cusp of being, as they call mercy ruled, they've got the eight point differential, mm -hmm. or they maybe even already have it. The kids are down and they're physically beat down and they're emotionally, mentally beat down, and they have another half to go in. And to either survive and not get mercy ruled or try and recover and win. And both of those things have happened. And I think a lot about this endurance cycling where anybody, I think, can train to ride 100 miles on a bicycle. 
Riding 200 miles, though, means you're not just physically training, you're mentally training. Because in my experience, mm -hmm. riding from mile 100 to 200 or slightly beyond 200 is as, as much or more a mental game as it is a physical game. Your demons are, yes, your legs and your butt and your hands that hurt. And by the end, everything hurts. You're pedaling with your ears and you didn't know how you're doing that. But, <laughs> but digging inside for something emotionally to get you to the end. And that's what I'm trying to teach these kids at halftime is, look, you're tired, you're hurt, you're downtrodden emotionally. Here's how you're going to get through that second half by digging in and finding who you are inside. That's how strong is my will. You know? Yes. Yes. How strong is my will? And to that end, I mean, you kind of have, have broached this a little bit. I want to talk about your community, Francis, Utah, because that's going to get into maybe why your team is constantly down by a lot of goals at halftime. So tell me about Francis, Utah. Francis is a little tiny city. I'm not sure exactly how many people live here because it's growing so quickly. But even with that, it's less than 2,000 and more than 1,600. So it's tiny. Wow. It's a little tiny city east of Park City. And, you know, we moved here because we were in Las Vegas and looking for something that was the polar opposite of Las mm, Vegas to raise kids. Yeah. Yeah, you found it. We found it. So yeah. tiny, tiny city. But the school draws from all of the tiny cities around here. They all feed into the South Summit High School. And the high school itself, it's less than 500 kids. So 470, 480 kids or something like mm. that. And so it's, it's a very, very small school and it's not a soccer town for sure. Like many, if not most small rural towns, it's a football town it's a wrestling sure. town and it's a rodeo town. Other things kind of fill in some of the gaps, but it's, it's not a soccer town. But you get a feel there for the scope of the challenge when you come from Vegas to to Francis and you look at this and you say, okay, not only is this as different as it can be in a day-to-day -day life kind of way, but there's a different mentality with kids who live in a small, is it kind of farming, farming yeah. area, right? Kind of a cattle, farm, yeah, kind farm, of, cattle. Yeah, cattle, ranching, whatever. In a community like that, kids think different than when they grow up in a community like Las Vegas. Maybe they think differently about what their future prospects are going to be. Maybe they think differently about the things that they can and cannot accomplish. And on the flip side of that, maybe they have a lot more self-belief in some ways. You know, there's a difference in kind of the culture and the feel of kids there. I want you to tell the story about the hay pasture. And by the way, behind that, there's a recurring theme in my life. And that's the, the recurring theme is worldview. How am I viewing the world? And I'm trying to influence how others, not, I don't want them to view the world a certain way. I want them to be aware and then make their own decisions, but based on a broader view rather than the narrow view. So I showed up here and I went in to pay my water bill and the city said, oh, you're an attorney, aren't you? Hey, how'd you like to be on the planning commission? We have a guy that just moved out of the city as a vacancy. And I think the mayor can just appoint you if you want to be on the planning commission. I said, can I just pay my water bill? And they said, well, seriously. And so I, I said, okay, I want to give to the community that I just moved to and be a part. So sure. So I gave in and served on the planning commission for a number of years. And then we had a city council member move out of the city midterm. And so there's a vacancy. And so the city council and the mayor get to appoint the replacement person mm -hmm. until the next election. And so several yep. put their people put their names in and they came to me and said, Hey, will you put your name in? You're doing a good job on the planning commission. And I said, can I, you know, jokingly, can I pay my water bill? And they said, yeah, but seriously, you should think about it. And the mayor put some pretty big pressure on me. So I, I did it. 
and I put my name in and was selected. It was not unanimous, by the way, and but some of those council members who didn't choose me are now some of my best friends. Was on city council for a number of years. The longer I was on city council, the more I realized how much good could be done if you wanted to. And it was yep. very rewarding. And I saw so much opportunity for things that we could preserve culture, we could preserve values, but still improve quality of life for more people mm. just mm. by making a few changes. And so I decided, hey, you know, it's never convenient to give up time and, and money to go do things for other people, but now's as good as any. And so I said, yep. hey, let's do it. And so I ran and, and got 80% of the vote. So I became the mayor yeah. after that. And so as the mayor, you started and listening to kind of how you talk, looking for small ways to make changes to improve people's lives. You're looking around and there's like a, a fair or, or a parade or something every year. Rodeo. Oh, no, it's a rodeo. Rodeo. Yeah. yeah. Rodeo comes into town and there was a big pasture where you guys raised hay. The city uh, has resources, very limited resources. The, you know, the tax base is tiny. There's very little to no commercial in Francis. So it's, you know, property taxes are about the only source of income and, and you want to keep those things low. But I was looking around at the different resources the city had, and we had, do have a big rodeo celebration every Labor Day weekend. So anyone who's listening to this, come to Francis Frontier Days on Labor Day weekend. Do you have a website or any sort of marketing material for that? Because I'll throw it in my show notes if you want to share it with me after. Well, they can go to the Francis City website, FrancisUtah.org. Okay, Utah. I'll put that on there. And then there's information Good. there. You got um, it. Okay. Yeah. And, and I'm no longer the mayor, but I'm still promoting, by the way. <laughs> So one of the things I looked at was on the city grounds in this park where we have a softball field, which was not being used. It was terrible grass and just was going back to hay, it seemed like. And there's a really nice rodeo arena and then just some dirt and some fields. And I asked, you know, what are we using this field for? And the answers were growing hay for the rodeo animals that come for Frontier Days on Labor Day weekend. And I said, okay, hold on. So we have this large piece of ground that we're watering, flood irrigating, and we're paying someone to harvest it and bale it and all of that for what? And they said, for the animals, for the frontier day. So it's okay, hold on a second. We do this all year for one weekend. How much would it cost to buy the hay for that weekend instead of grow it? The answer was $250. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even pause. I said, we're no longer in the hay business, okay? We can spend $250, we can buy the hay. Let's use this field that will benefit more people in our community instead of just benefiting the animals on a rodeo weekend. We can do that with $250. And knowing that there's a shortage of sports fields everywhere, it seems like. Mm -hmm. But I was also thinking about how can we create more opportunity and not have to raise taxes on people to do it. And in my mind, I started to see this all come together. Okay, if we put soccer field there, we can have these teams who are fighting for field space with football teams and other things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, we can eliminate some of that problem or reduce that conflict, but we could also rent out this field to a huge soccer tournament that comes through town every year, the Park City Extreme Cup. People come from mm -hmm. all over the country for that and yep. there's not enough field space. So I made a pitch to the county because, you know, you know, putting in a soccer pitch is expensive and it, yep. it's a lot of money. But I, and no pun intended, I put in a pitch to the county and said, hey, you've got this recreation tax. You've got all these different grants that are out there as a result of money that you raise as a county. Would you be willing to, to give money to Francis City so we could make a soccer field and we will let the Park City Extreme Cup come use our field? They'll rent the field. So that creates revenue for Francis and we get enough 
money just from that one tournament that it pays for the upkeep for the year of that field for the maintenance. But we'll draw because when people come for the tournament, they leave Summit County and they go to Wasatch County or other places because they're out of fields and yep. they're giving away tax dollars to other cities yep. and other counties. So yep. I said, let's keep it in the county. They said, we love it. So they gave us a whole bunch of money. It started out as, you know, a little bit under $100,000 and we just kept applying for year after year. But what we have built now, a full size, you could play a professional soccer game on this field but we do two small fields on it for kids instead. So we turn them sideways into two small fields. It's got yeah, netting perfect. around it to keep the balls out oh. of people's farmland, you know, and so oh, it's not hitting their right. animals or whatever. We got money for lights. We got money for ADA compliant playground equipment for little kids. And just, wow. this is an, an incredible park, bathroom facilities, pathways, parking, all this stuff because we're creating a place for people and the people are coming. Matter of fact, now the county said, hey, can we put a bus stop in Francis? And so Get now out. there's a bus stop in Francis at that park because we're creating a place for people to be, to play sports, to play at yep. the park. And boy, you, you have a bus stop, you know, now people can take the bus to work in Park City or whatever. I mean, there's yeah. so many things that happen with little tiny moves. So really it is yeah. low hanging fruit. Yeah. And it starts with, I want to make more efficient use of some space that we have, right? Yeah. That's where it starts and it ends with so much bigger. And, and I don't know, was your vision that it was going to be what it is now when you first said, Hey, County, can I, can I get some funds to put in a field here? Or did it yes. grow beyond that? My vision was that big because I wanted, and I let the County know that I said, look, what you're doing now, if you will do this is a small piece. I didn't want the County to feel like this is just one little thing. And then we're done. I wanted them to yep. feel the excitement of the potential that this could mm. be not just for our local 1600 people, but for the county at large. And now people are coming from other places going, this is where we can go to play sports, to have our kids who need to get on the swing with other kids, but they're in a wheelchair. They can do that together. All of that stuff. Yeah. And what I love when I hear this is I'm running through my head. There's leadership lessons here, right? The example of how powerful is it when you have a let's say a filter that you've overlaid over your vision of the world. You look at the world through a certain filter and you say things like, you need a ADA compliant or accessible swing? Yes. Now there are people who say, that's a great idea, but here's the 10 hurdles and I just don't know. And I got to talk to these guys and I'm not sure we have the budget and blah, blah, blah. And all those things might be valid. But as yeah. a leader who is supposed to set the tone, who's supposed to create the culture to say yes. And my vision goes way beyond just having a little thing. And, and what I loved about what you said was it wasn't, this is the greatest facility of all time. You said, we're creating something for people, Correct. for people, because that's what, if we're thinking about, and I'm putting maybe words in your mouth, but as I'm hearing it, the filter that you look at the world through is how do I help people? How do I lift and bless the lives of people? And I take this from a mayor to a, a dad, to a coach, doesn't matter wherever you are in life. If you can put that filter over your eyes and as you look around you and say, how can I help people? All of a sudden your decision-making kind of snaps into place. You're not really sure what to do in an environment or in a situation. You go back and say, can I help people here? And if the answer is yes, then you know what to do. I mean, this is so inspiring. 
a lot of times we're distracted by agendas or we're distracted by ulterior motives that aren't the best. And, and that makes decision-making difficult. It makes planning difficult. When I was the mayor, when I was in politics, when I'm dealing with the bureaucrats at school as a coach, mm. you know, the head coach, yep. most of what I do is dealing with that as much as yep. dealing with the kids. I find it so much easier to do all of that if my goal is that pure statement you said at the beginning, I'm trying to do good. I'm trying to do what's right. And I remember telling my city attorney when I was first elected, I said, I'm going to always make decisions as a mayor that I think are in the best interests of the city. I'm never going to make a decision that is for the purpose of getting me reelected ever. And he said, well, Byron, if you do that, you will make my job as city attorney very easy. And to the, the last day I was mayor, that's what I did. I made decisions that I thought were best for the city because my goal was to do good. And hey, if somebody doesn't like my vision, then I'm the wrong guy for the job and I can live with that. And it's yep. the same thing with the soccer team at the school. I'm here to do good for these kids and for the community. And I can sleep well at night knowing that's my motivation is to do good. And either way, you're going to leave a path of either good intentions or good actions. And as a human being, I can deal with that. Like, I know I'm not going to make all the right calls. I know I'm not going to do everything right. I know I'm not going to always do good. But if in my heart, my goal is I want to do good. And let's take it from a coaching perspective. I want to help kids. If that's your goal, honestly, what else matters? I mean, come on. Let's say that none of your kids ever go to college and get scholarships and none of your kids become pros. Okay, so who cares? Because your goal is I want to see these kids as humans and I want to use sport as a means, as a tool to help children, to help kids. That's awesome. And in fact, this is a perfect segue because I want to get into your coaching and especially I want to hear stories about your kids. Yeah. I think that's, that's the magic, right? You said you're a varsity coach. And I think when we talked before, you said you're not a licensed coach. You're not like the, the guy, like the coaching guru. You're a guy who's played soccer, who loves the sport, knows enough, but most importantly, willing to step in and, and do something. So you stepped into this role as a varsity coach. Tell me about your tryouts, kind of what your squad looks like. I saw a, a vacuum that was being created in the coaching at the high school because of the existing coaches were leaving. They were retiring, going away, mm -hmm. doing other things. Their kids had graduated from school mm -hmm. and, you know, th their, their reasons for doing it had changed and, and they did a fine job. There wasn't, you know, a negativity there, but there was a hole created by their absence. I was looking at this hole and I'm aware of reality. I, I, at the time was not a licensed coach. I have coached rec soccer. I've coached some comp soccer. I've been an assistant coach, but I've always stood behind people who are really good coaches mm. or, <laughs> you know, and I played soccer. So I know enough about the game to, you know, not be a total idiot, but I saw this hole, this vacuum that was being created by a lack of what's coming up and the future that creates for the high school program. And, and I started thinking about it and came up with this vision where I thought, okay, I have some skills. I can deal with the school. I can deal with the district. I can deal with parents. I can deal with motivating kids and I can, you know, I can support this program and I'm willing to do that. But I, if we're really going to create a wonderful program, we need other coaches who actually know a lot about the sport, who mm -hmm. have coaching experience, lots of experience. So I started talking to people that I know and respect and said, Hey, would you be interested in coaching? And all of them said, no, 
<laughs> thinking I was asking if they would be the head coach. Head coach, Because yeah, none yeah. of them want to deal with the school. Yeah. <laughs> and and the parents and all of that, you know? Yeah. And, and I said, no, 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 I will do all of that. What I want you to be is the gift of coaching the kids in the sport, yeah. okay? I will be everything else that I can be, but I want you guys to be that. So we got yeah. a three different assistant coaches. We have one who's over varsity, one who's over JV, and one who's a goalie coach. And having a goalie coach is a gift. You don't always get totally that. Totally agree. Yep. Total gift. And so I convinced the people that I would do the dirty work if they would do the hard lifting on planning lesson plans for practices yep. Yep. and all of yep. that. I don't have sponsors, but there's a company that I want to tell you about. Kaye, which is spelled C-A-L-L-E, is a street soccer brand and nonprofit organization. Kaye's mission is to promote community-based street soccer courts where players can play street soccer for free. No coaches, no drills, just play. They donate 10% of all their sales to the nonprofit Free the Game, which builds public street soccer courts around the country. Check them out at kaye.com, C-A-L-L-E.com. One of the challenges is that there are a lot of a lot of kids in this community who don't have the resources to be able to play soccer. By that, I mean, they don't have the shoes. They don't have the shin guards. They don't have enough meals to have the energy. There's a language barrier often. So mm -hmm. signing up on the computer is, is a barrier. Even filling out paperwork is a barrier. Getting a physical is a challenge. And so kind of building this program is finding out ways to address all of those parts as well. And that's both in the comp league and in, in the, the high school league and, and or high school team. And the, one of the big differences is in high school grades matter. You can be in, in, ineligible to play because of grades, but we're trying to bring kids into the program in the comp league that where the grades isn't the issue. Let's take baby steps. Let's get you into the program. Let's help you figure out how we can get you the resources you need so you can participate build confidence. Then the next step will work on grades and other eligibility issues, attendance, you know, showing up to yep. class, that stuff yep. that we deal with in school. So yep. that was my motivation in becoming the coach is I want to build all of this stuff. And I think we can have an impact on a lot of these kids' lives where they're not getting that at home. Yeah. I want to drill in on those kids you're just talking about. This is my term, not your term. I'm going to call them lost kids. And when I say that, and, and I've been, I've been working with kids for basically my whole adult life. I spent a lot of time in my college years. We were married at the time, but we're living in Allentown, Pennsylvania, mid-sized city. And where we went to church was this downtown congregation, small. And we worked with all the youth. We worked with all the kids. We saw many lost kids and worked with and loved on these lost kids. These are kids, like you said, they don't have resources. They often don't have parental support at home. If they have parents at home, they might have one parent. They're living with extended family. The way they look at themselves and their future is so sad. Like you ask them, what are you going to be? What do you want to do? Oh no, I'm going to just do what I, what my, what I see my parents or my uncles or whoever else do doing, which is, yeah. uh, I'm going to drop out of high school and I'm going to get a job and, you know, kind of live in the same cycle. They don't, they can't see above and beyond that. And it's not their fault. They, they have no vision of it. They've never seen it. And so I have a kind of near and dear to my heart spot. I don't know if that's the right way to say it for these kids. And as you're talking about these kids that you were just describing, I see some of those other boys and girls that I love back. They're now in their thirties, right? So they're, they're adults, but when I see that 
Tell me how you're using the soccer, the school soccer program to connect with and maybe help those kids get a little bit more of a vision about education and their future. When we have tryouts every year for this, the high school team, we wonder if we'll have enough kids show up to form one team, let alone a varsity and a JV team. And we go through, who do we know? Who's out there? And every year there's a wonder how many kids will even show up to tryouts. I've been doing this program for two years now at the high school. The first year we had 36 kids show up. This year we had more than 36 show up and it was a miracle because it's enough to field two teams. Wow. You know, one of the kids that showed up last year, we begrudgingly let him be on the team because we'd seen him in the comp league and he was not responsible. He would skip. He would leave in the middle of practice and go to the skate park and ride a skateboard and, and, uh, you know, attendance commitment. And uh, he had great potential as a player. I mean, his, his touch was, is awesome, but we just couldn't get the guy to show up emotionally or physically. And, and that would drag down the team. And if he was there, he was screwing around. So when he showed up to tryouts, we thought this is going to be a mess, but let's give him a shot. So he shows up to tryouts and. He tried hard during tryouts and he made the team. He was on the JV team and his grades then started to slip and his attendance started to slip. And you, once you get so many truancies and tardies yep. and, it, and you know, your grade point average is too low, you're out. And we kept pushing and pushing. And he just, he didn't get it. He has an older brother who's extremely talented and he gets it. But this younger brother, there was a disconnect and, and it mm-hmm. didn't, didn't work so well. And he ended up dropping out of the team. So at the high school, he showed up to tryouts this year, same guy. And we actually pulled him aside and I talked to him and I said, listen, I, I want you to see the vision that I have for you. I'm glad you're here, but I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a little bit concerned because here's the you from before. And the you from before has so much potential and is missing it. You're falling short, but it's not because you can't, it's because you won't. And I am not interested in the old you being on the team. I'm interested in the you that I know you are and can be being on the team. And if you're here to be the better you, I'm behind you a hundred percent. I will work with you with your classes and your teachers. I will do Mm -hmm. everything I can to make this be a successful year for you. If you are here for that commitment. And he looked at me like no one had said kind words to him before in his life. And he said, you really mean that? You want me to, yes, I want, not only I, all of the coaches, we've talked about you. We all want you. The you that we know you can be is incredible. Be that guy and incredible things will happen. He says, okay, I'm there. I'll do it. And he had a couple of great practices, slip a little bit, talk to him again. I said, listen, don't slip because you are doing amazing things. Look at these great steps you've made. You know you can do this. And if you keep doing it, I see team captain material, and I want you to be a leader for your team. That was it. The kid never looked back. He put on that captain's band, and he shows up to every practice. He tries his hardest. He does everything he can to be a leader on his team and show the other kids how to be soccer players, how to be men, how to be, you know, contributors to the team, how to be teammates, because we believed in him and said, look, you can do this. And he did it. His grades were never fabulous, but his grades were always good enough. And he wrote out the season 
as an incredible player and an incredible leader on the JV team. And I'm, I'm really excited about the future for this kid because he sees what he can be because his coaches believed in him and brought him up to the occasion. He's just one. There's a whole lot of kids on this team who are like that, who just need someone to say, you know, I believe you can do this and I'm going to support you in it. And, you know, talk about the lost kids. He would show up occasionally still to practice without a pair of shoes. And his brother would say, I think I might have an extra pair in my car. I'll go get them for you or whatever. But, you know, there was a, a rally behind him. There are other kids who they've never played soccer in their lives. And, and, and I'll be candid. If you show up to tryouts, you'll probably make the team. Yeah. Because I, well, I don't have the luxury of saying we have, you know, 70 kids try out and I only need 36. If 36 yep. show up, 36 get on the team. And if we say, well, let's just pick the best and forget JV, then we're not building the pipeline for later anyway. We have yep. to do this. So yep. there are kids who have never done a throw in ever who are on the JV team who've never, mm -hmm. they don't even know what a goal kick is. And you're trying to say, okay, the ball has to go over your head, all the way over your head. Feet have to stay on the ground. You know, you get <laughs> all of these things that seem like the basics. Did you learn that in when you were six? Yep. But these kids, let's fast forward. We're in the middle of the season. They're on, they're playing a JV game. They come off the field, you know, one time they're panting heavily. They can't breathe. And they say, coach, I got to come off. I got to come off. You go, why? What's wrong? And he goes, I think I took in too much air. You know, like, that's called exercise, my friend, you know, but other times they'll just, all they do is kick the ball and it's different in practice versus in a game and yep. a game, someone's yep. coming at you fast and yep. hard. Yeah. All they do is kick the ball and the varsity team that's sitting on the bench erupts in cheer and, and support mm. saying, you know, you're the greatest because all you do is kick the ball, but man, these kids believe that they're superheroes because nobody's done that for them before. And so. You know, will they go on to be superheroes? Hopefully in some way, not in soccer. Yeah. Heavens no, but, but they'll do something because somebody believed in them. And, and, you know, to have someone who all they did was kick the ball and their kids are yelling, the teammates yelling at them that they're the goat. I mean, uh, that, that, that's awesome. You <laughs> so, know, they have friends so, in the hallway now. First of all, I, I know every one of our listeners is going to feel the genuine love that you have for these kids. I can see it in your face. I can hear it in your voice. I, I had a little bit of, you know, a little bit of wetness in my one eye. I'm going to blame something else for it. I'm sure it wasn't a tear. And, and then you said something just now. You said the varsity kids are on the bench watching the JV kids. Is that true? Yeah. Every game. That's the first time I've ever heard of that. Now, I've always, always the varsity kids show up a little early, you know, maybe the second half of the JV kids game and they kind of watch me, you know, yell a little while they're warming up, but you have them on the bench. Yep. Every game. You, you have them cheering them on. And then you said something right after that. Now they have friends in the hallways. I have four sons, only one left in high school. The rest of all graduated, married, whatever they're doing. The importance to a teenager and a boy or girl of a friend in a hallway, I can't be overstated. So the fact that you're taking this soccer experience and you're sticking these varsity kids, the older kids, right? The older kids, bigger, stronger, faster, maybe cooler, maybe however the younger kids view them, they're on the bench cheering, erupting in applause when a kid successfully hits a ball. And then they see him in school. Does that same kind of camaraderie and support 
and friendship, does that continue in the hallways? Is that just on the soccer field? It does. It seems like in our, in our school district, and I'm sure it's in school districts everywhere, that there's the in, the in, in quotes, crowd and then everyone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe there's various in crowds in my high school. There were, you know, different groups of those and, and some overlap, but you know, you've got the football wrestling rodeo sure. kids, and then you've got everybody else. And, and, and that's a bit of a, a, a broad stroke and not totally fair, but there are a lot of kids who feel like they don't fit into any of those established crowds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, think of the kid who's never done a throw in. He's certainly not going to be throwing a football or, you know, going down on the mat in wrestling or chasing after a wild steer. There's a, a lot of kids who are not sure how they fit in. And a lot of them, there's a language barrier, so they can't even communicate very well with other people. These are a lot of the kids who some of them have hidden talent that's incredible. We've got one that it's, we're begging him and he's going to do it. He's going to come to comp soccer and continue to get better. And then we'll work on his grades. He couldn't qualify for the high school team mm-hmm. because of his grades, but he's got an incredible touch. So we're going to mm-hmm. build this kid and figure out what we need to do for the language barrier and grades and all of that. Once they get on the team, and again, like I said, if you show up to tryouts, you'll get on the team. You know, don't, don't tell anybody. Uh, yeah, but, yeah. but once they see their teammates in the hallway wearing their team polo, on game day or wearing their team jacket, you know, or whatever, they have friends and they're saying hi to each other. They're inviting them to to lunch. They're giving them rides home after practice. You know, they're hanging out. They see them at the grocery store and and they have friends where before they weren't sure where they fit. There's a, a special needs kid who came to tryouts that my twins and a couple of other players had encouraged him to come to, to tryouts. And he's never done anything athletic in his life, but he's a super nice kid, super nice kid. He came to tryouts. He wasn't really sure what was going on all the time, but he would kind of run the drills and, and things. At the end, when we said everybody made the team, we didn't do this because we had to or because we necessarily wanted to, but we see you guys trying. And so you're all going to make the team, including you, the, to this one kid, you made the team. I don't think he really understood what that meant. It didn't sink in. And so he didn't come to the next practice. I saw him, I was at the school and I saw him in the hallway and I said, Hey, I didn't see you at practice. What, what's going on? You know, he goes, I said, you made the team. He goes, I did. I made the team. Oh. And he lit up. He was, it was like, it was the greatest thing he'd ever heard. I said, yes, you made the team. Please come. And I talked to the school administration. They said, we don't care about his grades. None of that matters. If he just shows up, maybe even never plays the game, but if he gets to touch the ball, awesome. So, you know, he showed up a couple of times to practices and he would run until he was tired and then he would leave. But man, seeing that kid, like he'd never been told such good news in his life, say, I made the team, you know, and then the kids are all just, hey, man, you're the greatest. You're on the team. That level of support is is awesome. And they're not getting it somewhere else. So. If for nothing else, that's worth it. What I've heard so far is you give them vision of who they can be and what they can be. You give them community. You give them friends and people that they can identify with that's positive. And, and you told me a story which on the phone before, which you didn't mention, but I'm going to mention it for you. How the varsity kids, including your kids, you have twins, right? You say you're older, you're older to you the twins. Yeah are contacting the younger kids who are about to come in and maybe be JV age. And they're saying, Hey, 
We're so excited for you to join the team. This is going to be so great. And not just the best players from the comp team. These are the kids like you, like we've been talking about the lost kids and your older kids, the high schoolers. I mean, these are the high schoolers that get so much crap from older people, right? These are the, oh, this generation, they don't care about anything and they just stare at their phones and all that. And some of that's true. But what you're talking about is 15, 16, 17, 18 year olds, boys, reaching outside themselves, connecting with loving, lifting, inviting, including these other kids. Not one of them thinks they're going to be a pro. Like that's the thing that that's underneath all of this. They all know they're self-aware, right? Your kids know. And yeah. part of that's because you lose eight, nothing a lot, right? You know, and by the way, I had a kid, I have two kids who have played on teams that got smashed pretty much every game, every game. And I know the struggles of a player who gets smashed every game and a parent who deals with a player who gets smashed every game. I know that, but to have that kind of unity and team cohesiveness to say yeah but we're doing it together we're we're losing but i'm cheering for you and our coach loves and believes in us and we're going to show up tomorrow because we're doing this together we play against private schools and the private schools have the luxury of recruiting and you know one of the schools we play against for example almost all of their players are from brazil and they handpicked them because they come here to seek opportunity, which is awesome. They have an incredible program to create opportunity yep. for these stars who are not getting yep. seen in Brazil. Yep. But they're in my region. So I'm playing <laughs> against kids who are handpicked from Brazil who are balding with beards and tattoos on the neck that say, you know, F you and stuff. He's got the JV team at this school. The varsity team, forget it. I mean, you know, you know, Messi's on the varsity team. And that's who we're playing. Now, to their credit, as skilled as that school is, they play with respect. They know they're mm. going to beat us by more than eight points because you have to get at least to 50 minutes. So they'll be, they'll be more than eight points ahead by the time we get to half. Then they play 10 more minutes and whatever the score is, we're over. But they're yeah. respectful. And then when they play their JV, they play down, they push, they try not to do it. You know, they're, yeah. they make it an enjoyable experience and have a great relationship with those coaches mm. because we're honest about what we each have, but what yeah. we can get from each other. And so I've got these kids who go to that game and they get creamed and they don't leave the game going, I am nothing. They leave the game and they come to the next practice and they say, here's five of my friends that I want you to meet at the school who've never come before that I think can benefit from this. Hmm. So to your thing of, you know, are they bringing other kids in? Absolutely. They're saying, hey, look, these kids aren't even on the radar, but they want to be a part of this, even though we lose more than we win, they want to be a part of, of what we're doing here. And so they're, they're reaching out. Oh man, this is why you have to be on here. You have to tell these stories because my guess is there are many, many, many more small communities like, like Francis, Utah, that maybe are trying and maybe aren't quite sure what the vision can be. And if listening to this gives somebody a vision somewhere of what it can be, even if your team stinks from a results point of view, that's not what it's about. Like these kids are going to graduate, hopefully graduate, and they're going to go do whatever they do. And they're going to look back and say, I think my life's better because I played for coach Ames at this high school. I think my life is better. I'll put my parent hat on. If I send my kid 
to a program with Coach Ames. I don't know, do they call you Byron or Coach Ames or Coach or what do they call you? Do you have a nickname or anything? All of the above. Yeah, Jefe. If I send my kids to Coach Byron and I see their faces when they come in the house and they look positive and they look like they've had to work hard, but they've been loved and cared for and challenged and there's a good community of friends, I will pay you whatever you want. And at a school level, of course, you're not paying, but if you were, I would pay, that is invaluable to a parent to see that look on a kid's face, to not worry. Is my kid walking through the halls by himself, by herself, right? Is she hiding in her phone because she knows no one really cares about her and talks to her? Those are the things that coaches can change in a kid's life. And and as we wrap up here, I got to say, this has been one of my favorite conversations. I love children in the most pure kind of positive way that I can. They are the future. They deserve the very best we have to give them. And here I am talking to a guy. You have every reason to just do your own thing. You're smart. You're successful. But you have great choice in glasses. You have all of the reasons to just do your life. You have a great family. You have hobbies, all this stuff. And yet you say, one thing I'm going to use all my resources and my talents and my experience for is to help some kids. I mean, to me, that's like, okay, I could die tomorrow and feel pretty good about myself if, if I'm in your shoes. I know you're not perfect and I'm, you know, shining the sunshine on you. Sure. But the truth, but the truth is anyone who's looking to do good, it's low hanging fruit. And if you want to aim that at kids, so much the better. I'll give you the last word. Yeah, for sure. And the term diamonds in the rough gets used a lot. You don't know which rock you're picking up is going to be that diamond in the rough. And in reality, they all are. Okay. All of us, Mm. even the ones that look like they're polished can still use some work. You know, our our goalie, he's an incredible goalie on the varsity team. He's a rodeo guy. He's number one in the nation on tie down roping. He he makes so much money doing rodeo that it's incredible. But he takes time off to play soccer because he loves the French. I, how would we know that this guy who's a world-class rodeo kid is an incredible goalie? And I understand, I can see the connection and the fearlessness and all of that, oh, yeah. you know, willing to jump at crazy things. But uh, <laughs> how do you find that if you don't look? I'm interested in looking. I'm interested in seeing what's out there and seeing what we can do with it. I know we're doing awesome things as a community of soccer coaches and people trying to build here. The only complaint that I've gotten as the varsity coach at our high school from a parent is one. That one was my wife. (laughs) And, and I solved that problem by making her an assistant coach. We're talking about this as if it's easy. It's not easy. It's hard. Mm -hmm. It's sacrifice. Mm -hmm. We give up, you know, all kinds of time and treasure and everything else to make it happen. But the vision is there. And I feel like implementing that vision and working towards no pun intended, these goals of making community better. It really is, really is low-hanging fruit. If you just stop, look down on the ground and pick it up, you're guaranteed to score. Well, I tell you what, that was about as good of a closing argument as I've ever heard from an attorney, Byron. We're going to end on that. If you listeners, if you hear this and you agree with what Byron just said and what, what this podcast is trying to do, please follow, share it. This is not about me getting people to listen because I need a lot of listens and plays. This is about doing something, spreading across the country, uniting people of like mind, like Byron. I'd never met Byron. I didn't know who Byron was. And now 
I have been enriched by hearing what he's doing. And I have a new vision in my mind of what I'm going to do with one kid. I got one kid in my mind in particular, as you've been talking, I'm going to go do something a little different with that kid. So thank you. Thank you for that. If you listeners, if you agree, please share, follow, and most importantly, try to do some of this stuff. Ask your coaches, Hey, are you, are you looking at my kid this way? You know, what's your vision for my kid? How do you see my kid? What kind of a community are you building in this team? So that when my kid shows up at school, you know, what's his experience with the rest of the kids? That's the stuff that matters. As always, love the kids, love the game. This is Dad Bod Soccer, your coach Dave. I'm out. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. Share it with all your friends. If you have an idea about a topic you'd like me to cover, hit me up on Twitter at Dad Bod Soccer. Tune in for new episodes of the Dad Bod Soccer podcast as we grow this movement to keep youth sports about the kids. As always, love the kids, love the game, Dad Bod Soccer. Soccer.